Let's give her a round of applause as well. We thank you for being here today. You and Linda, using your talents as well. Thank you. Diane, thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you. Good morning. And I said for 22 years, welcome to Emmanuel also, because the last congregation I served was Emmanuel in Downers Grove. Uh, my name is Pastor John Pro. as Pastor Tiemann introduced me earlier. Just a couple words about myself. My first 12 years in ministry, I was a hospital chaplain. Uh, and if any of you have lived in these towns, you know what I mean by saying I served in some of the outposts of the country. I served in Clarksburg, West Virginia, Bangor, Maine, and Marquette, Michigan, and loved that ministry, but the Lord called me from that ministry into parish ministry, and in 1986, I began uh, what turned out to be 30 years of parish ministry, first at St. John's in LaGrange, here in this district, and then Emmanuel in Donner's Grove. I retired in 2016, and I succeeded at retirement for six months. <laughs> and that's when President Buss asked me to go to lunch with him, and I should have suspected <laughs> that there is no such thing as a free lunch. Uh, and he asked me to, to serve with him, and I've been able to do that since that time. And so that's the hat I presently am wearing, and I bring you greetings from him and from our Northern Illinois District and the other 200 congregations. Just a couple of quick uh, notes about what's going on in our district and, and Synod. In Synod, uh, about a dozen of you uh, were a part of it. Just uh, three, back, three weeks, four weeks back, uh, we had our every three-year national youth gathering, and about a dozen from Emmanuel, from your Emmanuel, were part of that as well, 20,000 people in Houston. Now, we, we are always good stewards. You'll notice that. We go to the hot places in the summer because the rates are cheaper. So, <laughs> but it was a, it was a uplifting, spiritually, spiritually strengthening time for everyone who was there. The other thing I wanted to comment on is, is as a church body, and we're not unique among church bodies, but as a church body, we continue to, to experience a shortage of, of trained church workers, as pastors, as DCEs, as teachers, in all of those areas. While that is true, we were also blessed as a district to be able to receive from our two seminaries six new graduates that have come into the district uh, and are, uh, as we speak, being installed. I'm going to be at an installation this afternoon in Melrose Park for a brand new graduate who is so excited for the opportunity to serve his Lord there. So those are just a couple of things going on in the district. I'm glad to be with you this morning. Let me pray. Lord Jesus... Thank you for this day. Thank you that you are our Emmanuel, our God with us. Bless us this morning that, that through the words I speak, 
your spirit speaks to the hearts, to the lives of all who are here and all who are, who are watching, and that through the Spirit's work, we draw closer to our Good Shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. The 23rd Psalm. 23rd Psalm. You can't say it without smiling, can you? The 23rd Psalm. It's so rich. But it's important to understand how it begins and how it ends if you're going to appreciate what's in the middle. It begins and ends identically. The Lord is my shepherd. And it ends, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The beginning and the end of our spiritual life. Right there in those brief verses of the 23rd Psalm. The beginning of our spiritual life. As I thought about how the psalm begins, the Lord is my shepherd. I thought about why a sheep, that's us, why a sheep would make that declaration that the Lord is our shepherd. Why would a sheep make that statement? Why would he not say that, that Mr. Green in the, next, in the next house is the shepherd? Or why would he not say that someone else is the shepherd? Why would the sheep, us, say the Lord is my shepherd? And the answer is quite simple. Because the Lord owns them. The Lord is their owner. He's not a hired hand as the New Testament speaks of. He is the owner who's willing to do everything for he is invested in that flock. He is not only the owner, he is the maker of the sheep. The maker of the sheep. He is the one to whom the sheep are responsible because he created them. The Lord is my shepherd. This past Friday night, I was at a church league softball end of the year gathering. And as the evening wore on, a young man in his mid-twenties came over and sat down to me. Next to me, I had confirmed him a dozen years earlier. And he started to ask, not questions that a confirmand might ask, but, but that a young adult might ask. And he was asking about evolution and how I try to reconcile the biblical account with, with what else we see in society. And I said to him, I said, the real issue is this. The real issue is this. Evolution says that the world and everything in it, ourselves included, are here by accident. There was an evolving process, but it was one accident after another, and chance leads us to where we are now. But the biblical account says it was by design and choice God created. That's why we sheep can confess the Lord 
is my shepherd. The beginning of our spiritual life, we acknowledge that God created us. That God was responsible for our being. And at the end of the psalm, we say, we say that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is the beginning of our life and the end of our life. We will dwell in the house of the Lord because Jesus has gone to prepare that for us. Jesus, the good shepherd, who laid down his life that we may have life to the full now and live in the home that he has gone to prepare the Lord. His house we will dwell in. But the middle verses, the middle verses of the psalm can be troubling. They can be difficult. This past week, I opened up my phone and I looked for something that some of you will recognize but it will date you. It dates me. How many of you remember Art Linkletter? All right. It dates us, doesn't it? Kids say the what? Darndest things. Darndest things. He would interview kids, black and white, by the way. If you look it up, it's black and white. If you look it up, you know, he asks kids questions. Sometimes they're leading questions, but the answers are always, always interesting, often hilarious, sometimes embarrassing for the families. Now, that show was, was a show that lived on with other lead people over the years. But the theme of each of the shows was the same. Kids, because they have few filters, will say most anything. I want to tell you a story about a child. And I brought this to illustrate a little bit, this little guy. When I was a chaplain, hospital chaplain in Bangor, Maine, I was making rounds in the pediatric oncology unit. And I started visiting a six-year-old boy who had acute leukemia. Now this is over 40 years ago and the treatment process was not as sophisticated or as effective as it is today. And that little boy didn't want to talk with me, and that was not unusual because most everybody who would come into his room, well, they would take something, blood or temperature or something intrusive. And so he didn't particularly want to talk with me, and so I, I did what I often did in that case. I left him my jumping toy. I left him my jumping toy. And you might recognize this. Would you do something for me? Would you just hold that flat? Okay. You know how these things work? You know how they work. Let's see if I can make it work. Is he going to work? No. There he goes. There he goes. I left him my jumping toy with the instructions that when I came back to see him again, that the jumping toy needed exercise. And I wanted him to exercise the jumping toy for me, and I'd check on him the next time I came back. It broke the ice, 
he broke the ice and he began to talk to me. And part of the reason he was hesitant to talk to me was because, and I'm, I'm not Catholic priest bashing here. I, I really am not. But the Catholic priest had also stopped in and he didn't like him. And upon further conversation, the reason he didn't like him because the Catholic priest was reading the 23rd Psalm to him and he didn't like the middle part. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he didn't like that. And neither do we, for that matter. That's the hard part of this Psalm. Oh, we know the rest of the verse, but you are with me. We know that. But none of us, none of us like that part. None of us like that part. At the youth gathering, and I don't, anybody here go to the youth gathering? Okay. At, at the youth gathering, one of the speakers talked about the middle words of life. We have the beginning word, the Lord is our owner, our shepherd. We have the ending word, we'll dwell in the house of the Lord, and we know the Lord is Jesus. We have those words, but the speaker talked about the middle words of our life and how those middle words often help disguise the beginning and the end. They, they make it shadowy, if you will. Even though I walk through the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death, it makes it hard for us to see the beginning and the end. And some of those middle words, well, some of them apply to you and to me as well. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, well, clearly we think about our own physical life. You know, I joke a little bit about it. I know I'm in the fourth quarter of my life now. What I'm not sure is whether I'm in the two-minute warning or not. Okay? Okay? We, we know that the psalm refers to that. But there's also the death of optimism. And there's the death of dreams. And there's the death of friendships. And there's the death of hopes. And there's the death of joys. And when we are going through those shadowy depths, oh, it's so hard to remember. When we're going through those middle words of our Life. It's so hard to remember the first word, Jesus, the Lord, is my shepherd. And the last word, Jesus, the Lord, has made a home for me where I dwell forever. And there's other middle words as well. Middle words that spoke to the hearts and minds of 20,000 people in the Dome Stadium in Houston. Middle words... Like bullying, 
let me tell you a story that you might appreciate. Each of us, as we entered the arena that night, were given a number between 1 and 10. And when the speaker asked us to, he would say, I'd like numbers 1, 2, and 8 to stand up. And we would stand up, and he would say, there's 40, you represent 40% of everybody here, and 40% of the population that say that they have been bullied. And then we'd sit down, and he'd ask other numbers to stand up, and he'd say, you represent X percent of those who say that they go through periods of serious depression. Another middle word. Or those who are fearful of their parents divorcing or whose parents have already divorced. Or you represent another middle word, those who have addictions or those who have been abused or those who have either tried or thought about suicide. Middle words are those experiencing profound loneliness or those battling a sin that you can't seem to rid yourself of. Middle words. Oh yes, we know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. We know that. But sometimes those middle words distract us from remembering that. They take our eye off the reality of who's at the beginning and who's at the end of our walk in life. And that is the time, that is especially the time, when we each need to remember what the Good Shepherd did for us, his sheep. It was the Good Shepherd who gave up everything so that we could have all his blessings. It was the Good Shepherd who allowed himself to be bullied, to be beaten to be abused so that we could move through those valleys with him by our side. It was the good shepherd who allowed himself to be put to death so that we could have life. Because you see, the reality is for us people of faith, is that Jesus is the final word. There are middle words. The psalm paints a picture very clear to us. There are middle words, hard words. Someone once told me that if we wore bandages on the outside for the wounds we carry on the inside, we all would look like mummies. Pretty close to the truth, isn't it? 
We all would look like mummies. But the middle word is not the final word. The final word is Jesus, the good shepherd. Jesus, the good shepherd. Let me end with a story. It's likely not true. But it makes a good point. There was a Shakespearean actor, booming voice, if you can imagine, who was well known for his ability to to grasp an audience through how he would speak words of Shakespeare and other and other parts of literature that were well known. This actor would always conclude his program by speaking from memory with great dramatic undertones, the 23rd Psalm. And inevitably, when he concluded, the audience would give him a rousing round of applause. One night, the story goes, a young man interrupted his performance toward the end. A young man from the audience and said, can I, can I speak the 23rd Psalm tonight? And startled, the actor said, yes. All the while thinking to himself, this should be interesting. He is not a professional. When he began to speak, the audience fell silent. And at the end, there were no applause. Instead, you could hear the sound of silent, quiet weeping coming from those who were listening. And the actor asked the young man, he said, why? I don't understand. Why is it that your response was so much more emotional than the response that I get? And the young man said, perhaps it's because you know the psalm, but I know the shepherd. The shepherd, Jesus, at the beginning of your life, he created you. That's why you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. The shepherd at the end of life, where he promises that you would dwell in the house of the Lord, the good shepherd forever. And the shepherd for all the middle words that would seek to derail us and keep our focus off of Jesus. Know the good shepherd. He knows you. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for your help.